Welcome to La Ventanita, the Miami Herald food podcast. I'm Carlos Frias, the Miami Herald food editor, joined every week by my buddy over there, Amy Reyes. What's up? What's going on? Oh, I got the point right. Yeah, we got it right. Yes. Yes. Oh, well, um, we've had we had a pretty good banter show last week. That was fun. Yeah, Uh, it was fun. It was it was fun to relive Jeremy Jeremy Ford um kicking um Bourdain's butt. That was super fun. That was super fun. That was a that was, moment. That was one of those things you have to spend a little time on. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, so what's going on with you? What do you What do you had? Oh, you, well, I you just were got traveling, back. right? I had to go to California this weekend because my 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 99 year old grandmother died last year, and so oh, this was I'm the sorry. this was the the weekend that we were going to um, put her ashes in the Pacific Ocean. So we had to we had to meet up in Long Beach, which is like the that's my my Cali place. So we go to Long Beach and um, we put her ashes in the, in the, in the area there in the bay, whatever. And then we went to eat at the fish house, which is like the restaurant that my grandma used to like frequent. Cause oh, it was around the corner right. from her house. She lived in a, she lived in like a little suburb called Los Alamitos. Was that and grandma Dorothy or is that a grandma, grandma Dorothy? Yes. Grandma yes. Dorothy, man. What did she was a legend? It sounds she like. was a legend. She, she outlived my mom. So like she literally was just living her best life. Now listen to my grandma. So my grandma, <laughs> was a widow right you know my grandpa died a couple years back when she got into the old folks home in arizona where living close to my uncles she found herself a man i knew where this was going before you even finished that sentence i knew where you found were going with a buddy our little uh-huh. <laughs> she had a boot uh-huh. so she was she was booed up at the retirement home and you know she was fun she would just sit there drink her gin and tonics and laugh I love that her. Is so, that is so funny, man. What was like her, what What did she and her beau do? Did like, they like, it was at the retirement home, right? So. I'm saying they probably just I mean, went what, through their day together. I mean, what G-rated things did they do? I, I'm sh- they they I just went through the their day together awake. <laughs> I mean, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> like, my grandma you was still old. awake over there? Yeah, yep, you, you're still up. awake. What you All doing? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, if 99 year olds were listening to this, they, there's so much we don't know about the internal lives of theirs. I'm serious. Like, yeah, I, I don't want to get into the nuts That's and bolts. But yes. Do you remember that whole thing where there was the one place up in uh, in like Boca ish where there was like a, uh, uh, I guess it's not the right word, but a rash of STDs? Yes, I do remember yes. stories. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, let's just uh, let's leave there. it that we don't have to go there, but <laughs> do not. But you know what? You could that could be a whole other podcast. Yeah, that, that's something going. else. But anyway, so we went to the we went to <laughs> the villages. Was, yes, the villages. That's right. Sounds so, about right. Yep. I got um, Dr. But, going but, on. <laughs> 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 anyway, um, no. So we we went to the fish house, which is like this restaurant in a strip mall near her house. Cause I think Perfect. Los Alamitos, I could be wrong, but I feel like Los Alamitos is the candle of Long Beach. Cause it's oh, is like, that right? it's I, all, yeah, it's it all had a real candle and... vibe to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like now that, now that I revisit as an adult, it had a real super candle vibe to it. Cause just a bunch of houses and a bunch of strip malls. And then the, the original fish house is the place that, that my grandmother used to always take us for our fancy lunches and dinners. And mm-hmm. she would get something called a calamari steak. Which, like, in retrospect, I don't, yes, steak. this is a calamari steak. I don't know where the steak is coming uh, they, from, but it's have a big thing. pasture, pasture raised calamari. I'm free range calamari, dude. I have no idea, but it, it's a calamari, and she used to she used to eat the heck out of that. And so I, I don't know how to- you make a steak out of a calamari. You kind of like Pierre and I work. The three of us were kind of uh, texting about that a little bit earlier, like it because Pierre was a, was worked with a chef. He was a chef. He worked in the kitchen, so he uh, he knows the. Maybe quotes, you just don't know the, all the calamari species. Maybe fish house had a big, different kind of some big monster uh, calamari species. Some anyway. Anyway, so pretty good. Like to get that. Mm. We we all had that, and we raised the glass to Grandma, and it was great. So. Oh. Well, she did a lot for you guys, so I'm, I'm glad oh, we were able to celebrate her life a little bit. It was really, it was really nice, and it didn't rain, and I, I can't complain. It was, it was a wonderful, you know, laying to rest of a, of a wonderful woman. That's awesome. Uh, I've been, uh, unfortunately, I've, I continue in my pizza obsession. I continue. Oh my to god, be, seriously! Like I, it's, it's honestly that whole pizza pull just took me down. It took me down the rabbit hole, and uh, 
And just the idea of thinking about new pizzas. And I, in general, have been making pizzas for a long time. It started as- Are you like, like hate making pizza because of my pizza poll? Is this what you're doing? You're like, no, all these yet. pizzas are so dumb. I can make better pizza. Let me just do it. Maybe, maybe. It was one of those dishes that that um, it was fun to make with my kids. Like I remember uh, when King Arthur came out with their first gluten-free uh, uh flour and uh one of my my friends at the time who was the food editor at the at the palm beach post was like why don't you take this home and see if you can make pizza out of it uh with your kids and we did and it was like pretty good and then from then it was like what would this taste like with actual dough mm-hmm. and then uh it became one of those things that that like the girls and i would do together and it's I, i've probably been making pizza for like 10 years at home all kinds of different kinds always changing the recipes and stuff that's and really this, uh, so what was your latest pizza conquest so you know, we I've been messing with this sourdough starter. Like I skipped that. Like I said, I kind of skipped that during the the heart of the pandemic. So now I'm coming back around to it. And uh, we made. Um, so I I was fussing with when to use the starter. Like that's the thing is figuring out like like do you do you use it when it's really bubbly and alive? Do you do it when it goes down? And and I must have caught it at the right time because uh, I made um, I, I I use it to make a pan pizza. Kind of like uh, there, there it is. Pierre's Look got at a photo that! Of it. Uh, that dude, is. It was incredible. Like the was edges it? coming out, super cheesy and crispy. You know, it was a good, uh, probably like inch and a half thick. You know, with all the toppings on it, and it had some air bubbles in it, and it was just delicious. It was like I, I'm going to be making this thing again. I want um, some. But you I know, but that. but dude, but the the sourdough is like bringing home a new baby. Because like, and and when you're doing the pizza, like you gotta you make the sourdough mix the night before, and then oh, you, you gotta, leave it you gotta out. Feed it. You gotta leave it out, and then when you wake up in the morning, it's ready, and it's like, oh, you gotta do something to it. Uh, you gotta, you know, yeah. And the sourdough itself, you gotta feed it, and you gotta take out half of it, and then feed it, and then add water, and it's a whole thing. It's just like having a new baby, and you're on it. You're on its schedule. Yes. So today I baked I baked the bread with that sourdough starter, and there it is. Look how an, pretty. I made an olive loaf, which you have feelings about. Our our colleague Connie. Why would you put an olive? Things. Why would you put an olive in bread? That just I'm, doesn't make any sense to me. I'm not gonna lie. G- Gabby loves the olive bread. I actually like olive bread. So I was like, all right, let's mix some Kalamata olives into it. And no, I'm waiting to cut that? into it. I'm waiting to cut into it tonight. Like it literally. I, I was on its schedule. You haven't even eaten it yet, dude. I had to like babysit it during the day i had to bake it and then i had to wait an hour and now it's all wrapped up in my kitchen and uh you know i would eat that hot like piping hot that would be good hot i would i wouldn't even notice hot. the olives if it was hot enough you gotta wait an hour because if not all the all the moisture leaves so I, i'll report back but it looks okay well yeah that's it your looks mission. correct i'm gonna wait but we'll see um all right well listen i really need you to give me your hot take on a story that you posted on monday okay we need to talk about bon appetit's Three best new restaurants in Miami. Oh boy, yeah. I uh, it was one of those things where I I've been to two of those three places. I have not been to Los Felix. Um, yeah, so Los Felix, um, uh, Par- Paradis, Bre- Books and Bread, and Sunny's Steakhouse, which was called at some point Sunny's Sometimes Steakhouse. And the funny thing is, Paradis is not a full restaurant. Like if you told somebody, oh, give me a name of a restaurant, you told them Paradise and you went there and all they had was bread wine and spreads bread. and wine, like really great bread and really great spreads and homemade stracciatella. But it's not like a restaurant in it, in a traditional sense, almost in any way. Um, and Sonny's was a pop-up and it's closed indefinitely. Like I was talking to Will Thompson. He's like, I hope this gets people over to Jaguar Sun, which is like it started as a pop-up for Jaguar Sun. So I'm like, Bonnet, what? Are you okay over there, I'm Bon Appetit? Yeah, I'm very yeah. confused about those rankings because a lot of really nice places open in the past year that I don't know still are open that you could go to. <laughs> like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, it just seems kind of like a weird, a weird choice. To and those, and the thing is, like, uh, especially party. like the Sunnies thing, right? Because yeah, it's no, closed. that's right. in particular. It's closed. And, you can go to it. Like, what's that, that seems like a very strange. It seems like a wasted opportunity because, like, if you're gonna give, because people read read these stories. Whenever we write up ranking stories about restaurants that are like nationally recognized by different yeah. publications, people read those stories. You know, mm-hmm. we got the stats, and so the fact that they would use that opportunity to to honor a place that 
Like you can't go to it. You just it's, can't it's, go to it's, it. It's yeah, and and again, all those three places with their at what they're doing, they're doing a great job of it. I can't speak for Los Felix, but from folks that I've talked to, you know, folks who have gone who've liked it, you know, said that. Yeah. Uh, but it, they just, it's just odd. It's two of them are really odd choices. Specifically. Yeah. Well, one place that's not open. specifically the one that's not open. Yeah. Well, I would have to say that I would go to a Paradise book, um, Books and Bread for my Holy Communion diet of wine yes. and bread. That seems like a good, a good night out to me. And cheese, like a soft spread of cheese that struck a teller was insanely good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're great. It's just, know what you're getting in, into. You're not going to get a steak. Well, perfect. As a matter of fact, before this came out, uh, um, our columnist, Fabi Santiago, was going out to dinner. And she's like, I'm going to be in North Miami uh, or North Miami area. Is there anything new or interesting that you recommend? And I was like, well, an old favorite is um, Ricky Thai, which is right down the street. They make incredible Thai food. They use really fresh ingredients. They work with local farmers and just make great Thai food in a very low-key place. Mm. Actually, they're going to be expanding pretty soon into a space next to it. Um, and then I was like, and there's another place, Parodies Books and, and Bread. I said, if you want something light, mostly bread and spreads, if you go at night, there'll be pizzas that they make out of, you know, kind of a focaccia style thing. But with those caveats, and it's like, if you're talking about a best restaurant, there shouldn't be caveats. You know, it should just mm-hmm. be like. It should just be like. Yeah. We'll and it's like over. 50 best new restaurants in the country. In the country. And, yeah. And three are in Miami. So I at least like, you know, I think there is like a, a pull for everybody to to kind of like catch up. I think that's part of it is like, let's catch up with this this city that is getting a lot of attention. You know, the Michelin yeah. stars a couple of years ago. I mean, no, a couple and it's, nice ago. That, it's nice that they honored a place that's not Miami, Miami beach, you know? Yes, that's true. None of those places are, are on South beach. Uh, and none of them are in Wynwood. So, which is really interesting too. So, well, uh, as our friend from the infatuation has reminded us, <laughs> no place to eat. Don't go to eat in Wynwood. Don't go to eat in Wynwood. He's like, sure. no, he, he's got like a, a short list. Yeah. Um, oh, the, the the other thing I, I was mentioning to you earlier is that I binged The Bear. You told me oh, you saw God, the first episode. No. Yeah, I, uh, no. I I had that similar thing where I could. Give me your hot take because I couldn't get through one episode. There are there are moments that are really frenetic and kind of like nail biting. And I've never, you know, I've never really worked in a kitchen like that. So I can't really say that it gives flashbacks, but I could see how Jeremy Ford, how he was talking about. Yes. He was really, to, he had PTSD. He was like, I can't watch that. Yeah. And it's like, you know, the, 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 the chef, the, the basis is that the owner dies and he leaves it to his brother and his owner dies in a way that's very typical for lots of, for not lots, typical for some, for, for that industry, you know, which is very high stress. Um, uh, spoiler alert here, if you want to skip ahead another 15 seconds or come back in about 15 seconds, you know. He takes, he, <laughs> Don't reveal the yes, bear. <laughs> yes, he, uh, he, you know, I mean, he takes his own life. That's revealed very early on. Everybody knows it at this point. And that, because that is a very common thing. I, it reminded me today of this this one young man, Michael Shikani, who had a restaurant here. It was really like, really well-known, really well-liked. And he had a restaurant in Winwood before Winwood was like, you know, a, a big the splashy spot, yeah. thing. And uh, same thing, it came very much as a surprise. And uh, but that happens in that industry quite a bit. And, uh, you know, and that and alcoholism, you know, the isms uh, are and that's that's another avenue that they explore in that show, too. So, OK, well, then give me some hope for this show, because the reason why I couldn't I couldn't stomach it was because I couldn't deal with the power struggle between the 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 main character, the guy from Shameless. I can't I can't remember the actor's name, but the the one the chef guy. And then the other one who had been there the whole time was that is he a brother or is he a cousin? He's like a cousin, and and it's like that's actually the the, the power most... struggle was so annoying. I was just like, yeah. he's obviously like a trained chef, and like, yeah, you you, you know, you've been here this whole time, but like, just let him do his thing for a little bit. Let him like he's obviously he's like cooking a a pork leg for three and a half hours. Like, let him. He's obviously an artist. You know, just he knows he's an artist. His, no, I, it's honestly as that show goes along, you they do a really great job at creating sympathy for those characters that are initially initially make you feel something, right? Yeah. Like whether it's revulsion or whether mm-hmm. it's you know annoyance or whatever, they build nuance in those characters, you know, and and that's really what I found to be like the most interesting part. Like it was really, you know, it was it was. I'll it was have to some give it gentle stories. I was just so stressed stories. out. It was stressing me out. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you guys just go outside and fight and then let everybody else in the kitchen finish cooking. You guys just go handle your beef out there. Yeah. There was some gentle storytelling later on. That's really nice and really interesting and beautiful. So 
I would recommend it. Right. Try the second episode and see how I'll you like try it. it. They're also short. They're only like 30 minutes for the most part. Oh, okay. I did. Then that means I made it 15 minutes. There, there is one episode, which is one service, one dinner service, the arc of oh, one Jesus. dinner service. And it's just like almost real time. I want to and no, it wasn't oh my single God, camera. No, Carlos, that would that was, me out. It was. It, it, it was <laughs> 22 minutes. It was 22 minutes and you have like sweat on your lip. You're oh like, my oh my gosh. God. Yeah. So, but try another episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you know what? Maybe we can ask today's guest about about her, I feel like she may TV, have a lot of input on her, her, this. Her TV <laughs> viewing because sure. I've not talked to any kind of chef about this, so I'm I am mm-hmm. kind of curious. And uh, so our guest today is uh, Annie Meinhold. So I can't say the word pop up today without thinking of Annie. Um, uh, now that word may have entered the zeitgeist, but it was unheard of when Annie and her partner uh, opened Miami's first pop up ten years ago. I know ten years ago. Damn. Um, that pop up was Fukia. Uh, it's a Vietnamese concept that came alive every night when she and her co-founder, Cesar Zapata, took over the Crown Bistro uh, downtown. So they hung drapes, they changed centerpieces, and most importantly, they rewrote the menu at someone else's restaurant. What a novel concept, I right? know, right? <laughs> uh, and now uh, it's a Michelin-recognized restaurant on its own after some, you know, some uh, not, not different, different concepts that they had throughout their, throughout their lives here in Miami. Uh, so I want to ask Amy, Annie uh, about um, all she's seen running the restaurants in Miami in the last 10 years. You know, um, we've seen her change concepts. Uh, do you remember the federal? Remember the federal? That was mm-hmm. that was them. Um, she's changed, you know, the concept. She's changed her relationship with with Caesar. Um, and uh, she's kind of watched Miami change uh, through uh, through a pandemic and into getting a Michelin star. So so I want to ask her all about that. So welcome, Annie. Welcome to uh, welcome, Annie. Hi, thanks for having me, guys. How are you? Thanks for I'm joining good, thank us. thank you. Thank you for having me. You're, thank that you that background is so lovely. Yeah, you're, I know. You're, it's at, very you're yeah. at Fukia right now, isn't it? <laughs> I am a Fukia. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting inside of our PDR. That's What is a PDR? Private dining room. Oh, oh. oh look nice. at that. Amy, write that down. I'm going to uh, have to. PDR. You didn't learn that on the bear? I did not learn that on the bear. No, they don't have a PDR on the bear. Although I have to say I love the show. I binged it too. Did you? It, it didn't stress you it, out. It um it didn't stress me Did out. It, give you flashbacks? It, it totally gave me flashbacks. I definitely remember having those meltdown moments. I've definitely seen Caesar run into a cooler. I've definitely climbed through an expo line and freaked out. Like, are we allowed to curse on this show? Uh, you, yeah, it's sure. fine. It's fine. <laughs> Everything is fine. No worries. Uh, but so, like that, that cooler thing is interesting because that's that's the that's the escape for lots of chefs, right? Like to walk into the cooler, yeah. I got to get something, and really, it's just to like I just need to hide, sit there and you hide just, for a minute. It, there's that part of it, but there's the actual temperature part of it because you walk into a walk-in cooler, you're stressed out. It's a hot kitchen. You're stressed out. Your head's hot. Like your your body is shaking and your heart is pumping and you walk into a cooler and it just like shocks you out of it. There's a physical component to it. Oh, that interesting. actually helps you. It's kind of like doing a cold plunge, but it's not a plunge. You want to, you want to know my, my restaurant experience. I think I've talked about this. I know that I have before, but like my first job outside of working with my parents at their jewelry store, they had a little mom and pop jewelry store in Carroll city. Uh, I worked at a Chuck E. Cheese. And I spent like, I want to say six months working in the kitchen, like making pizzas. And, you know, we had, they had a huge walk-in, like a walk-in the size of probably most pop-ups. And uh, and same thing, like you would walk in there for whatever <laughs> ingredient was and you slowly start kind of calcifying inside because <laughs> it gets really cold. Um, it I, does I mean, get cold. Yeah, it does get cold. I later worked the dining room and at, at least on a couple shifts, I was in the, I was in the rat suit. So, Dude. Carlos ruined Chuck E. Cheese for me because <laughs> like when they empty the ball pit. Oh, forget it. Ew. That is the worst so of all things. Ew. It's the worst of all things. So I can't so, even imagine what's in there. Oh, oh my God. No. Just you can. You you absolutely can. And it's every horrible thing that you can imagine. And if it's in Miami, it is probably like a scattering of little mini bags on it. <laughs> it's, it's like, <laughs> what are all these dime bags doing in here? <laughs> no wonder those kids are bouncing around. Oh my god, I knew I lost something. 
I have the kid holding it. He dropped it. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> so bad. So bad. Yeah. Note to self, don't take kids to Chuck E. Cheese anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Don't touch those sure. balls. Don't stay away from the ball pit. I think they may, not have, pit. they may not have ball pits anymore. And that's really the best thing they could have done. So really. what was like the what was the 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 circumstances under which you guys would get the most stressed out in your previous in, in, like in, in in kitchens in general like what what were the things that caused the most stress for you guys I mean god it's just such it's such a pressure cooker of an environment I can't even begin to tell you any one specific item you know like I just know that you know, Caesar and I have always worked in upscale environments, whether it was the Four Seasons, the Satai, Michelle Bernstein, Mosaico Salero, like Fratelli Leon. We've just always worked in very like critically acclaimed high end establishments. And so the pressure, the pressure of execution in a timely fashion is just is really just out of bounds, you know, and um, it's, it's that time thing. Every single time you have a ticket come up in the kitchen or behind the bar and they don't stop coming and they don't stop coming just because you're like backed up. They keep coming. And then from a server perspective, you have a, you have a station with six to eight tables and you're literally looking down this, you're looking down at a room with like 24 different faces with 24 different moods and 24 different tastes and different requests and all of this stuff. And, and it's just, it's, it's a pressure cooker of an environment because as a, as, a, as a hospitality professional, you're supposed to juggle all of those requests, all of those tickets, prioritize them, you know, make sure that you can cluster them. How are you going to execute them all in a timely fashion? Do it while, you know, on your feet with grace and a smile, still able to tell jokes and still protect your fellow diner from like dying because they're allergic to peanuts. Right, right, right. So wait, since no. you've been doing this for so long, give me the profile of like the worst kind of diner to walk into a door. In, in a, in a- <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> somewhere, somewhere Anthony Bourdain is clapping right now. I don't even like have a question for that. Vegans. Wow. Because vegans, does, vegans think that just because they're vegan, they deserve to have a space at the table. Right. Like everywhere they go, where's your vegan part of your menu? Correct. It's you know, Houston's, where's your view, you know? Yeah. Longhorn. Why? Yeah. yeah. Like they're not they're not they're not asking to be part of the table. They're not requesting something. They're just demand they're they're they feel entitled enough to demand their taste profile anywhere they go, whether or not it suits them, whether or not it fits them. And you know what? At the end of the day, at Fukia, we have tons of vegan options. We really do. We have tons of items that are modifiable to be veganized as well. But still, like, because we're not the conventional restaurant, we're not a three-meal restaurant, we just do what we do because we feel like it. So the vegan dishes that we make are based on what we feel like making. If they don't suit your taste... Do yourself a favor, call the restaurant, go online, send an email, and do your due diligence. Yep. I don't think that just because we don't have a veggie curry as an entree portion plate because you want to pay $15 for dinner is not is not reason enough to like, you know, slap me in the face for not being a vegan restaurant. We have Let tons of vegan options. One one star Yelp review. I didn't eat here, I didn't eat here, but or I, I didn't eat here. here. I, didn't I eat went here. here. I know. I hate. I, that's, they didn't have oh my god! Options. They didn't exactly. They didn't have any vegan options for me. Well, of course we do. We just didn't have the vegan options that you wanted, liked, or expected. Right. You know, I think I think managing guests' expectations is the hardest thing to do in a restaurant. And in a restaurant like ours, which originally started as Viet Cajun. Um, and has evolved into a Vietnamese Latin es- expression at this very moment. We've never for a moment said we are traditional Vietnamese. We do traditional grandma cooking. That's never been our stance. And when you walk into this space, it doesn't even look like your traditional Vietnamese restaurant. So how you could even expect it to be is beyond me. So, so navigating the expectations of people who want classic Vietnamese 
grandma's cooking Vietnamese at like ten ninety nine a plate in a restaurant called Yeah that has DJs is like <laughs> <laughs> they're like. It blows her mind. <laughs> it it blows my that. mind. Yeah. It blows my mind. It's true. It's on our website. <laughs> it's called <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the power of the device. Yes. Please use it responsibly. Hey, okay, well so, then on the so, on the flip side, what's your favorite what's your favorite kind of person to walk in the door? Do you guys have like a lot of regulars that that you we know? Do. We have a lot of Miami. What's your favorite Miami cl- customer? We have a lot of regulars. My favorite, my favorite guest is the guest that just walks in with a smile. They're so happy to be here. Hey, Annie, what's up? Hey, Kathy, what's up? What's up, Broly? You know, and then I'm going to get this, 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 and this. Cool. I'm going to get a Fung's Den and bring home the boys. Cool. I want a Tuktu. Cool. You guys got any specials tonight? Yeah, we've got like a one and a half pound Branzino that we debone and first to order. I want that. You know, and it's like mm. you, with the guest that comes in with a smile because they're happy to be here and they're happy to see us um, or the guest that walks in a smile because there's so um, there's so much anticipation in their experience. And we're and again, they're happy to be here um, and we're able and they give us enough trust and grace to create and to create an experience for them, which is huge in our training and huge in our culture, because Clearly, we created a restaurant as a very personal expression of who Caesar and I are. So we want you to go down that path. If you want to come in and you want to check the boxes and order a roasted chicken or a seared salmon or a filet mignon with roasted potatoes, it's just the wrong place. Yeah. What? No, ro- no filet mignon? At, at yeah. No filet mignon, no rosemary, no potatoes. We also don't have pho, so don't get me started with pho. It's not on the... The, the number of people who have told me, what do you mean you don't have pho? That's the name of your restaurant. It's called Fook Yeah. Yeah. It's not yeah. called Pho Yeah. That's not Pho. It's not even written the same. Yeah. How is that even possible? Yeah. That's, uh, it's, I, 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 I don't know, man. I don't know how people do it. It takes a special breed to, to do what you guys do, man, and do it well. I just, have you I, had, have you had a, a New York, that. have you had a New York diner experience yet? We've yeah, had, of course, yeah. we get tons of New Yorkers. Sure, huh? you're in the you're definitely in the right part of town to get yeah. lots yeah, get, of New Yorkers. We get tons of we get tons of out of towners. Yeah. The restaurant, so Fukia's clientele is largely local, but this is the place where anyone, if you have a friend coming in from out of town, you're bringing them here. You know, and then obviously with COVID and the advent, everybody moving into Miami and everything, we get a lot of, um, you know, whether it's uh, yeah, a lot of transplant clientele, without a doubt. And interestingly enough, a lot of Canadians. I don't know how that happens. We get a lot of Canadians. Yeah, um, we still get a lot of snowbirds. We which is, which is cool. So actually, you know, um, people who come in from different cities are easier to please than our local clientele. Oh, that's interesting. That yeah. is very interesting. Why, why, why do you think that is? Um, I think I, I don't know why I think that is. I don't have a reason for why that is. It just is. Um, it just, it just is. They're much easier to please than our local clientele. They're not as finicky and they don't pretend to know everything. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I never met a Latin who didn't know everything already. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's something about. You know, there's you, you know, we're humans. We like go into spaces and we like to check our boxes and you know, this is what I'm looking for. Um I think that Miamians just really like their boxes. I guess so. I guess so. Hey, so you've been you've been now uh thinking about and living with Fukia for ten years. Yeah. And I was thinking about that earlier, like going back and reading some old stories. And like the idea that you could point to this was Miami's first pop-up restaurant. When now, like, especially in the last two years, like everything was a pop-up. Mm-hmm. So uh, tell me about how that idea was was received when you were trying to get people to understand. How'd you even sell it from the outside? Yes. Like, how did you get the idea? Like, like I think you told me it came from LA. Give me a restaurant. <laughs> Let me just set up. So, so it's so crazy how it all happened. I was just telling this story yesterday, too. Um, we basically got locked out of our first wine bar by partners. 
Oh, wow. um, yeah, we got locked out. Um, a lawsuit ensued, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, fact of the matter was, was that it happened on the heels of a soured partnership. Um, Caesar and I were still in our, we were in our late 20s. And his family, his mom and sister had just moved to Miami, so he didn't want to leave. And um, we started sending out resumes and I ended up, no one, no one would hire us. Nobody would hire us. They were like, for the positions that you have, like, I wanted to go back to school and get my master's. So I was applying for server positions, but nobody would hire me. And Caesar was getting exec job, exec chef job positions in the Middle East. And we're like, what is going on here? And so my grandfather passed. I had to go to um, San Francisco for his funeral. And in that process, when I was in San Francisco, Caesar's like, look, we are going to try to do a pop up. When you come back from San Francisco, we're going to do a pop up. And if it doesn't work for three months, then we're out. And I'm like, where did he, how did he hear about that? Like, what was that concept? How did that come? So we had, we had a friend who had just moved down from New York actually. And so pop-ups were starting to be a thing in New York. And I I had no idea what the hell was going on. What's a pop-up, whatever. He's like, I'll explain it to you when you come back. I'm like, cool. So I get back from my, from my grandfather's funeral and Danny and Caesar are like, so this is what's going on. This is what we need. So we basically needed a restaurant that we could take over during off-peak hours. And by that, just by 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 that necessity alone, that landed us in downtown. So between going to first I so my what I was responsible for was going to downtown restaurants and knocking on doors and see if they would even let us do this. Wow. Like, and hey, like we want to rent your restaurant when you're closed and wow. you don't know me from nobody. And yeah, this is what I want to do in 2011. And this was wow. downtown in 2011, and this which is, is like, like at seven o'clock, 7 p.m. at downtown Miami is just in 2011 was a ghost town. Like just desolate. Desolate. All you saw were the homeless people walking around um, crazy. And so then while we were looking for places, then Caesar, Danny and I were coming up with ideas and we're like, well, Miami has no Vietnamese food, no Vietnamese. And we're like, all right, so we're going to do a Vietnamese concept. Danny was from New York City. Caesar grew up in Patterson. I grew up in Manhattan also. You know, there was no hip hop vibe down here. So we're like, we all grew up with like old school hip hop. We're like, all right. Old school hip hop because we're all from we're all from the Northeast. Um, graffiti vibes, Vietnamese food because there's a void. I'm like, all right, here we go. Um, Caesar and Danny came up with the name, which when they presented it to me, I was like, you guys are nuts, right? Because they basically started going through like baby books, you know, like baby names. Oh, that's and so like, funny. How do we name our new restaurant? Baby? How do we name our new restaurant, baby? So they went through like baby names, and there Caesar was like. I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm like, that's that is a real. He's like, that is a real, real Vietnamese name. name. Real that name. is a real that's name. A real name. It's Remember the basketball player? I forget who he played for. It was just on the back of his jersey, and that's amazing. And so, and so you pronounce it "fook" like phonetically. Let's F-O-O-K. pronounce it like that for the rest of the show. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so it's pronounced for his life easier. <laughs> it's supposed to be pronounced "fook," right? And the best part of the name is, is that Fook means blessings, prosperity, good fortune, and good health. It happens to also be the saint of prosperity in oh, how like that? all like Asian culture. Yes, the other pronunciation is. also has good, also has good. Great uh, connotations. Connotations. Of course. <laughs> like, I mean, this is America. It's like the best word in the world. Ever. So, <laughs> ever. So like, yeah. we're like, all right, you get a Fook and you get a Fook. <laughs> so many Fooks to everybody, everybody gets a Fook. So many Fooks to give. Yep. So many Fooks to give. You're a fat Fook, you know that? <laughs> oh my God, I fucking love it. <laughs> so, so I was like, y'all are crazy. This is a terrible idea. They're like, no, it's not. No, it's not. Yes, it is. And anyway, I lost because we were three. I voted no. They voted yes. I lost, clearly. 
Um, but it turned out to be marketing gold. You know, here we had the name, we got the logo done. Um, I sped, I, I wrote up a really snappy press release and this was like in the age of Twitter. Social media was just starting to become a thing. Facebook was kind of a thing, but it was mostly Twitter at the time. So, and of course we all know the PR 101 press release are supposed to be pretty like, you know, black and white. They're pretty mundane. Um, but with this being a pop-up and all, it was, it was, it was an extravagant press release to say the least. <laughs> but hey, you know what? The name, the release, that just there made a lot of exclamation me. points on it. <laughs> no, there was a lot of flowery language though. Not not exclamation points, because it doesn't our name doesn't have a, an exclamation point at the end. But a lot oh, of flowery language that no, it doesn't. And it doesn't oh, have an H either. Yeah, there's no H, but I thought there's there was no an exclamation point. I thought there was an exclamation no. point. Thank you. I, uh, thank I think you. possibly the pop-up had an exclamation point, but the, but current, the restaurant doesn't right. The restaurant, the restaurant does not. Right. Um and so you know, thankfully, we were able to really grab people's attention. So the first night we opened, I think that week, the, the week of friends and family, we got into Urban Daddy and Belkis came and did a show on us. And Johanna did a show on us where she was on Channel 10. And um, the first night we opened, we sold out at 845 at night. There was a line out the door at yes, 845 at night. That's how you know. And that's like, the gold, man. Half and half of the menu was gone. So then people would sit down like, what do you mean you don't have this? What do you mean you don't have that? Being, <laughs> You're late is what I mean, vegan. You know, Listen, like, vegan. <laughs> Try so coming just, back an hour earlier. It's so, oh my God, so much, so much happened. So many people left so mad that night. But you know what? That was September 1 of 2011. That's and Fukia has been, uh, has been part of Miami's dining vernacular since then and that's you know we are part of miami's dining fabric which is really awesome really 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 awesome it's cool that you guys have really you guys have stuck to, or, or been able to come back to that concept you know when, when you opened uh Fukia the restaurant which was when when did you guys open the um, restaurant the doors well we did friends and family from September 1st to the 7th and opened on September 8th in 2016 oye la gente está gritona por allá I know you can you can you can yell at somebody if you want you can yell at we have a lot of personalities here wow. a lot of loud personalities so I mean but then the other thing is the other thing about Fukia aside from it being like the first pop-up I mean, and I think this goes to who we are, who, who Caesar and I are at the core, is that we had nothing. We had to pay our bills, and all we had was a twenty-five hundred dollar credit card. And that was wow. it. So That's we maxed out this credit card to get the curtains and the tabletop stuffs and whatever the case was, and had to buy food every single day and prep food from scratch every single day. So, like the grit the hustle, the resilience that we needed 12 years ago, 11 years ago to do what we were doing is something that we still have today. So like you were saying in the intro earlier, Carlos, that, you know, we had the pop-up and then we did the federal and then we changed the federal to the fed and then we went vegan. And then from there, you know, like Fukia at this point today is very much a personal expression of who we are. You know, where we started, where we were, where we are today, where we're going, um, you know, it's 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 it outlived our relationship. You know, we were together at one point in time. We were together for 15 years. And, and now I mean, we've been separated for four years at this point. But we're we are the best of friends or family and we're even better partners than we've ever been before. That's awesome. That's, that's I mean, really, yeah. that is really an amazing test. That, that's very much a, a, uh, a Jack White kind of white stripes kind of story, you know, like mm -hmm. the fact that you guys are able to to maintain this really successful restaurant and a, obviously a very successful working relationship, you know? Yeah. Uh, kind of through that. Like you said, well, you what become is the, family, what was right? What the secret to it? How did you, how did you manage it? Because I'm sure there, it must have been awkward for a bit, like when you guys were first, when you guys were first, like, yeah, this is, this part of our relationship isn't going to work. Yeah. 
It was awkward for a few months. It was, um, it was actually like on. It happened like right on right before we opened FOMO at Timeout Market, and it was it was difficult for the first few months. But then, you know, what we've always done has been so much bigger than ourselves, and we built something. So. The option was to either let it implode and we both have to start from scratch or get through the difficulties, work through the difficulties and hopefully come out stronger at the end of it all. And that's what we did. It's the idea with like, like L'Atelier, the the Joel Robuchon, Joel Robuchon is dead, but his restaurants, his empire, the people that, the thing that he created, uh, Paul Bocuse, you know, it outlives them, you know, it, 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 and and in that sense, you know, it it, uh, it, it Fuki outlived like the 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 origin story to become yeah absolutely this thing that you guys created what no matter what happens to Caesar or myself like this restaurant will continue this will this will pers- this will continue this will persist because the people who work here make that happen you know I think um, did I see that your sister is working there now as well like that when going like your Instagram you had like a picture of like maybe your sister or something or am I making that up. You don't have a sister. Have a sister. All right. All right. Well, there was some relation. Maybe it was like sister from another mister then type of thing. So how do you build that staff? How do you how do you like build the thing where like, you know, it, it outlives it outlives not outlives you, but it, that it you know that it it has life beyond just the two of you. I think I think ultimately people, chefs, chefs in the making managers, restaurateurs in the making, people need to know and understand and realize that restaurants are a machine. Restaurants are comprised of the people who work in them and the people who frequent them. It's not just because, you know, this is not the Annie show. This is not the Caesar show. This is like the Fukia show. Caesar and I set the standard. We set, we create the vision. Um, and we live the vision and everyone else executes by that vision, you know? And so it's a much, it's, it's so much more than it just being like, you know, the Carlos show or the Amy show. It's, and, and that. No, no, ours is very much the Carlos and Amy show. <laughs> if one of those goes away. It's, I, I <laughs> it's actually the, it's the Pierre show because if he goes away, the show's over. Show. Without him, show ends. No show. Right, right. <laughs> I have to say, so, I have a couple of restaurants that I go to because I like a waitress. You know what I'm saying? Because like there's yeah. a waitress that I go and I know that I'm going to have a good experience with her and the food is fine. You know what I'm saying? It's, I'm not necessary. I'm going because I know the experience is going to be good. You know what I'm sure. saying? Right. Sure. Yeah. There's plenty of places that you've gone that like maybe the food was great, but you didn't feel like like you didn't feel I don't know. Like it's like putting on a shirt. You're like, that looks good, but this is not my style. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. And, and it can be uh, places could be like that, you know? Church I mean, is like that for me. Look, restaurants, <laughs> ser- restaurants serve different purposes. You know, I think, again, you asked me what my favorite guest was. My favorite guest was a guest that comes in smiling and is just happy to be there. Yeah. You know, sometimes when you come into a restaurant and you're not smiling, it's up to our staff to make you smile, give you a reason to smile. And sometimes, you know, people go to restaurants because they want an experience. They want to go in because they're in the mood for a certain dish or a certain cocktail. They want to see a certain person because like all of you know, they always have a great experience with that person. Right. It doesn't just have to be about food. I mean, going to a restaurant these days is much more experiential than just nourishment. Right. And tell me, talk to me a little bit about the last couple of years, because I think one of the times that we really sat down and we talked for a while, it was like early in the takeout and delivery phase of COVID. Like you were one of, really, you guys were really one of the first to say, you know what? This is what's going to keep us afloat. Yeah. And and I thought it was really remarkable, like what you guys did. So, I mean, we we prepared for that shutdown in February. We knew something was coming in the pipeline. Wow. So when the decision when the decision came down on March 16th, which was a Monday, we closed on Tuesdays. So we wrapped everything up on Tuesday, put it in storage, flipped the menu, and on Wednesday we were ready for delivery. Wow. That is incredible. We never, we never missed a beat. We never closed. There's this incredible photo that our photographer Matias uh, Ochner took where you're like, like you got, you got bag, takeout bags in both hands. You know what I mean? And you're, Oh my God. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, I, I was delivering. You were making of, those, see, I was she, delivering food yeah. out of my mini for the first month. 
Yes. Because yeah. there was there was no there were no insurance insurance companies were not willing to extend temporary insurance throughout this air throughout COVID. It didn't exist actually. Like you couldn't, so, which means I mean you couldn't insure. Your, you your, your own your, employees. Yeah, your own employee to become a driver. You couldn't insure them. To do oh, that. okay. You had so to do it yourself. So, so I had to do it myself. Yeah, and that's crazy. And you were driving. You were driving all over. All over. And you were not. You weren't using Uber, Uber Eats, or any of those apps yet. Not for not for the first month. No. Yeah. For the at first, first month, it was just me. At first, those apps were they kept all their same pricing, and and people were hurting over that. As I as I recall, it was, it was part of that. I think those third-party vendors are thieves. For the wow. record, they're Straight all up. thieves. They're all thieves. Do you do you use them now? Is it like one of those um, uncomfortable alliances that you? It's touch and go. To be very honest with you, just because you know, for Fukia, delivering our food and serving it forty-five minutes to an hour later, really just is it's not the experience. No, it's not the experience we're looking to sell. We want you to be here. We want you to be in the lights. We want you to sit in a dark corner. We want you to hear our music, like the sounds of a restaurant, you know, the shaking of a cocktail. It's so different than eating it out of a cold, mushy box. Um, it just doesn't do our experience justice. Right. Yeah, I imagine that that for me, uh, which is uh, the spot you guys have in the timeout market, probably does that, that foods holds up a lot better. To that kind yeah, of thing. we do a ton of takeout out of timeout market. Uh, it definitely lends itself more. Yeah, a big bowl of pho, you can bring it home and you nuke it, you know, and yeah, right. You're, and you're in a, in a nine bowl. tenths of the way there, you know. Yeah. Uh, also, there's not really, you know, it's the it's the food hall experience, you know. That's, right. You know, I'm probably more comfortable at home than at the food hall generally. Yeah, you're not you're not paying. To, you know, dinner for two at Fukia is 150 bucks. Right. You know, uh, that that sticker that sticker doesn't change whether it's delivery or not. Actually, it becomes more expensive by delivery. So, are you really delivering mm-hmm. value with subpar mm-hmm. product? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I don't think so. Do you, do you guys is this your do you guys see yourself opening something else outside uh, beyond this as well or do you like is this right about what you guys can handle? No, I mean I, I would love. Well, so FOMO is our scalable concept. That's definitely over the counter. We're looking for locations as we speak. A couple locations have fallen through the cracks just because we're seeing that between permitting costs, construction costs, things. Doing, doing business in Miami has become very expensive. Right. Um, and then as far as Fukia, I would love to open a, another Fukia. Are you kidding me? I mean, I wouldn't open another one in Miami, but I would love to open another one. This is like, this is my baby. Right, right. Where would you think? Like, what what other city do you think you could would, would be the right audience for this? Um, I love the idea of being, you know, Atlanta, New York. DC. Um, if I was to stay in Florida, Delray would be another area that would be really good. Totally uh, downtown Delray or uh, downtown Las Olas, something like that. Delray, and it's funny, Boca is kind of getting more interest again. I want to say that the the Carbone people took over one of the resorts there, uh, like the, the the Boca Resort, and it's you know I think the influx of, of people from New York have have kind of pumped up the population a little bit in both those towns. And Del Rey is very cool. Like yeah. In and around Del Rey, uh, Pineapple Grove, just north of yeah. is, is very cute, very cool. I, so t- talk to me a little bit about, like, what are, what are the other things, like, in your life when, you know, because it's funny, I was, when we were talking about the show The Bear, Al, it's like, that guy's only life is the restaurant. Like, there are scenes, mm-hmm. the guy has nightmares about it. He wakes up shaggy-headed, and he goes to the restaurant, and the restaurant, and he has no life between outside of that. But I don't get the sense that that's, that that's you, that, uh, that the restaurant I'm is. also older than he is. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. You know, it, I mean, I don't have a life. I, you know, I, I work a lot. And, you know, I'm up by 7 o'clock in the morning. I work in the morning. I take some time in the middle of the day, and then I work at night. Um, I still have a very, very long work week because I still self do a lot of things. Um, like, so 
What do you mean? You said, do you self do a lot of things? Like, like I still, you know, like I do all of our social, I do all of our digital, I do graphics, all of our branding, um, obviously liaise with all of our third parties, you know, um, between Fuki and FOMO employee stuff, HR stuff, you know, it's, um, I still do it myself. I'm not at a point yet where I can retain a third party or hire someone to handle it all. So I still handle all those things. Yep. Um, do you, I saw I, you, you work, you work out quite a bit. I've always seen like, I do. I always see like story, like you're in some stories either. I don't know if it's boxing, but some kind of like always physical activity that you're doing. Yeah, Is that- I I do. That's my therapy. That's my, that's my church, whether it's like lifting weights or doing HIIT training. Um, yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely therapeutic. It it allows, it allows me to deal with the crazy. You know, there's something about when you know that your work environment is not, is, is always inconsistent. Like it's inconsistent. You can't plan for it. You can't plan for it. There's no, there's no textbook that's going to plan for, you know, anything that happens in a restaurant from, you know, being short on your delivery or someone slipping and hitting their hitting, you know, I, I slipped one time with a tray of glasses and somehow the glasses didn't fall, but the one glass that fell broke on the side of the door and the stem landed in my shit, which landed uh, me in a hospital. Oh, that's like painful. so super random. Wow. Um, so <laughs> the forces that be, there's nothing, there's no textbook that prepares you for the forces that be. So whatever you do outside of these four walls, wherever they are, like, like home has to be really stable, you know, um, it has to make you stronger. Mental, for, for yeah. Effort. Whatever your mental health management is like it. I mean, that is real. That is right. real. Mental health is a real issue. Addiction and substance abuse is a real issue in our industry. Um, you know, and, and, and just overall health, taking care of yourself, because a lot of people don't eat properly and they smoke and they drink a lot. And, you know, it's very easy to, to let those things just kind of, you know, get out of control. Take over your life. Yeah. Like Adrian Adrian Castro was telling us that the the young guy who's the bar manager at union, uh, union beer store and and does the uh, Banco Bistay out of there. Uh, he was, he's very much kind of puts that front and center, like the whole mental health aspect of it, you know, like it is, he's very honest with the fact that, you know, that he has a lot of anxiety and things like that, that, that kind of affect your ability to like function, you know, and it's yeah. the idea of dealing with those things with something other than, you know, um, than, than drugs and alcohol, you know, which is really a self-medicating in a lot of ways that is very common, you know? Yeah. One of the themes of, of the, the chefs just kind of randomly, one of the themes of m- many of our interviews have been like, what's your fitness? What's your fit life? Like, yes. Because a lot life? of the chefs are like, yeah, I do. I do jujitsu. I do taekwondo. I, I run. I do marathons. I do triathlon. And so it's, it's really it seems like if you work in a high pressure environment, like a kitchen or like in a restaurant, just restaurant industry, you need that like physical you, you need you need the physical exertion or exhaustion for that matter because that repetitive movement that extreme release of energy is also equates to extreme release of emotion so when you walk into that restaurant space you don't have all of these emotions like balled up in your stomach or in your chest ready to come out you kind of walk in like a clean slate ready to heal ready to deal with like other issues I, I remember um, when when we were, you guys were switching from the federal to the Fed that Caesar himself like he had been having issues with like like a glucose intolerance and and he started cycling a lot like he was cycling like yeah. three hundred mile runs and and um, yeah Caesar and I used to ride a lot because he was he remember he went vegan he right. had he had some di- he had some reason. yeah some digestive issues he, versus he, versus the uh, the the ones who it's cool to be cool to be vegan right. No, no, no. He had to. Like, he needed to go. Yeah, he, had, he had an operation. He's vegan? He's not vegan any longer, no. But um, he was vegan. He was vegan and gluten-free for about a six-month period. Um, and to what? Two years. 
lies two years is he there is he there is he on the record straight (laughs) he's sitting right next to me all right jump on in there what's up Uh, caesar what's going on man it's good to see you it's so funny to it's so funny he's like yeah the border show oh spin that camera around again let's let's see so your private dining room is also your uh your your office space yeah it's yep. Yeah, it's kind of our office space. That's very cool. Cute. Very cool. Those chairs so, are nice. Look very thank you. Comfy. <laughs> They're super comfy. Um. So yeah. So uh, there's there's a lot. You you. I think you also have to get to that point though, because if you're if you're kind of like a a chef in the making or a manager in the making or a business owner in the making, you don't realize that you need to make the time to do that stuff. You don't realize that that's, what's going to really, that it's not just to like look cute. Like it's actual, like part of your mental health regimen. Totally. So, um, but you got to come to that point. Yeah. For most people, for a lot of people, it, it's, it, it's always something that, that, you know, that, like the most simple one is like, all my clothes seems to have shrunk in the dryer. Yeah, but no, they didn't. Exactly. Checking the dryer, exactly. you got on service, and you've been drinking half a bottle of bourbon every single night for the last yeah. year, and that just stores right in your gut, right that's, there. That's, that's where right. No, all my clothes shrunk. What happened? <laughs> every single item that has to close around my belly doesn't fit. What happened? Doesn't fit anymore. It, it must be. It must be the appliances. But it's no. a yeah, but yeah, that's but that. Some. That's a lifestyle that like we don't we don't have the desk job we don't have flexibility we don't have you know, like this is the kind of this is the kind of the of profession where you have to be here to make it happen you right. physically need to be here to make it happen and and the fact that you deal with so many people at once makes it difficult to prioritize your own personal health and your own personal well-being right so when is your me time is it before in the middle or at the end of your day uh it's usually in the middle actually I kind of work a split. So I'll work from like eight o'clock in the morning until noon. And then from noon until four, I'll do like my own stuff, my own, like my own personal stuff. And then I'll work service at night. Hey, what did I see that you're doing some kind of a pop-up boutique, like the queen of pop-ups? What what is uh? Yeah. So we're doing something called Crave Collective on Sundays. And so it's basically myself and three other women. We are three friends um, with all different specialties. um, And we decided to do a pop-up shop, you know, and so Sunday nights. It's a, a pop-up and women, you know, different female entrepreneurs supporting female entrepreneurs and really showcasing different types of creativity within an already creative space. Um, everything that's like visual, clothes, jewelry, music, um, and the selections rotate on a weekly basis as well. So uh, it's always a very dynamic show. Cool. Where do you do it? We do it in our private room, actually. It was oh, in the, right. it was it was living in the lobby before, but then we found that we got greater guest interaction with it being here in the private room, and it's like a really intimate fit to have like a store in here. Oh, very cool! And then, yeah. so give me an example. Like, what's what's in the boutique? Like, what you said, music. You said what else? Clo- so, so we do clothing and clothing, jewelry, accessories. Um, I'm looking for um, a female sex toy company or owner if anyone knows anybody um it's all it's fukia branded sex toys that sounds uh, (laughs) yeah absolutely that's a a good fit that's a good making candles (laughs) you're making candles that look like vaginas and phallic symbols i'm all about it dude there's a place in hialeah that's doing that with donuts and it's like whatever vagina donuts yeah 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 Uh, look it up look it up that's great It That's is great. not. It is not subtle. Is all I'm going to say. It is not subtle. I think the idea behind it, though, is really it's really about showcasing, you know, female entrepreneurship and the fact that we can work together and create something beautiful. Um, be feminine, but be strong. Be sexual. Not be ashamed of like who we are just because we are women. Um, and actually, my staff is largely female as well. So you know, we're just. Um, I think it's important to give women a, a platform with which to to grow, develop, and express themselves. Very cool. I, I think it's a fantastic things. I, I literally find, so it's every Sunday at the restaurant. At the restaurant, yes. Sunday, Sunday nights from five to nine. 
Sunday nights from five to nine. That's pretty yeah, cool. Get those, get those toys and I'll be there. <laughs> oh boy. And it's wow. and like the clothes, the clothes are amazing. One of the ladies is her vibe is like vintage rock and roll upcycler. Then we have like a boat, like a boho vintage shopper. And then we have another one. She's more of like, kind of like, um, she's like a music festival queen. So she does like facial. Um, she does all of our music as well. She does like face chains and accessories and hand, hand knotted things. Um, all really beautiful stuff. And it's a range of price. You know, it's not like everything's not a thousand dollars, you know, it starts from like $30 to like 500 bucks, depending on what is so like, it's any budget, really anything you never needed. It's there. I want all the stuff I don't need. I know me too. <laughs> yeah. And after a couple glasses of wine, a uh, girl, no, oh, that's, that is so good. That's how you get them. I'll you start drinking. Just then, shopping, shopping and drinking is a thing. Bad. <laughs> Andy, do you th- do you think like you're like a Miami local at this point? Like because you're getting these groups and like, have you come to the like? Usually, folks when they pass the ten year mark in Miami, they they kind of inherit the Miami local feel. Are you? I there mean, yet? I am definitely. Saying that I'm from Miami, I always think is a misnomer just because I've lived a third of my life in three very important places, San Juan, Manhattan, Miami, all very formative periods of my life. But to say that I think Miami is my city, Miami is my city. You know, when people shit on Miami, I get really mad. Yeah, I get really mad. Like you don't get you don't get to talk smack about my city like you get to leave. Actually, the plane is over there. The Uber costs $21. Just go ahead and jump in it. Because my if you thought your city was so perfect, what are you doing in Miami? Okay, so like everything in life, there's a pro and a con. You need to measure them out for yourself. And if it works for you, it works for you. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But don't be complaining because you can't get a bacon, egg, and cheese here. Exactly. And then and then going a step further and talking about how great the place that you left was. Do you remember why you left that? Do you remember why you left that place? I would rather take summer in Miami than have pata sucia in New York train in New York subways (laughs) any day, any day, or have to walk through the filth of all the trash bags everywhere in New York city. I'm sorry, going to the, going to the museum and, and and eating bacon, egg, and cheese, and eating bagels is not a good enough reason. Not to mention, it's so expensive. It's That's like right. it doesn't make no sense. You want a bacon, egg, and cheese bagel? Go up to El Bagel, and they have a fine one. And there you go. Exactly. There, there you, you go. go. New York. Miami's the jam. <laughs> You've got Gold Belly. They'll ship it to you. All you got to do is fry an egg. You'll be fine. That's right. Well, listen. Before we let you go, you have to play our Kiss Mary Kill with food. And because now you, what is yeah, Kiss Mary Kill? You have to walk you know, me through this. Kiss Mary Kill. You pick. You pick three. Okay, we're, we're going to pick for you three food items. There's one that you get to kiss, like one that you have like the sweet affair with, the merry one, the one that you always want part of your life, and kill the one that you have to get rid of. You have to. So, you have to say goodbye to it forever. Exactly. So you say do. goodbye to it forever. Either wait. I'm sorry. Say so, goodbye to it forever. Keep it forever, or what? Keep or a, just have a, just have a fling with it. Have a fling with or it. Or have a fling with it. So okay. one is your Mary lover, kill. one is your 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 husband, and <laughs> one of them you kick to the curb. That's right. Okay. All right. So so because you're 305, now we gotta play our classic Kiss Mary Kill, which is cafecito, Cuban coffee, uh croquetas, and pastelitos. Those are like the three kind of like origin foods. So, so what do you think? Kiss Mary Kill those three. I want them all. Oh, well, that's the game. This is the quandary. This is the Sophie's choice of food. Oh, my God. So t- talk to me about coffee. Let's start with cafecito. Like, uh, are you a coffee person? I'm a super coffee person. But the thing what? was, a couple of years ago, I went through this elimination diet and I eliminated all sugar from my diet, all sugar and dairy from my diet. And I never went back. Oh, that's okay. amazing. Wow. Yeah, hence with people who black cup of coffee in my hand. All I do is add cinnamon to it. That yes, I'd love. My fiance, that's what she does. It's like we make coffee, we make a, a French press in the morning, she just puts a little dab of cinnamon in it. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm so impressed with people who can do that. Anybody who can so, drink coffee without sugar. 
amazing. And it's like, and, and don't get me wrong. I think, a, I think a colada is the most delicious thing ever, but I can literally like dip a spoon in it and I can't eat it anymore. I can't yes. drink it. So the super sweetness of it is. Yeah. Is the super else. sweetness of it. And then, and then dairy. Croquetas? Just, croquetas are like the best hangover food ever. Oh yes. So like true. a tostada preparada is like the best thing ever. Forget, Forget about, about it, man. <laughs> At like three in the morning, coming back from the clubs, you stop at you stop at uh, La, the ventanita at uh, Versailles, and it's whatever like, tostadita, croqueta, smush, and some hot sauce. That's Forget the bomb it. right there. Forget it. And a pastelito. Pastelitos are you know. So that 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 gives you your three. So now you got to kiss, marry, kill those three. What do you think? Okay, I can kill the pastelito. You're not a fan. Yeah, she's not a I'm fan. All, she didn't, she I'm didn't all right with it. You're okay. Yeah, I'm all right with it. I'm okay with it. I'm neither here nor there. I just think it depends on the mood. I can live without it. Um, And I guess, I guess the lover is the coffee because I like it, but I don't need the sugar. And I guess I can't live without my croquetas. That's it. I guess that's the husband. That's the husband. You're booing up with the the croquetas. Yep. Marrying, marrying the croquetas, booing up with the coffee, kicking the pastelito to the curb. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bueno, Annie, you have been so generous with your time. We really appreciate you, Thank you. and talking with us. And really, like, thanks for bringing us pop-ups. I Thank really enjoy so those. Yeah, totally I'm really glad. Those. I'm glad. If it wasn't for you. Nobody would know what to do during COVID. Somebody else would have done it. Somebody else would have done it. But I'm happy that we were the first ones. Exactly. Exactly. Well, we wish you the best of luck. And I know Caesar can overhear us, so we're going to wish him the best as well. And uh, Bye, Caesar. Thanks for bringing us very cool food and very cool concepts. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks, Annie. Take care. Bye. Bye. It's not often, especially in food ways, like when you're tracing the origins of food, where you can say, that's, that's where one. that thing that's mm-hmm. where that thing started that's the and, one who did that thing right and we can actually say that we've met the person that really made pop that popularized pop-ups in miami which is pretty cool that is pretty cool because now we get them all the time all the time amy you know what that feels like feels like a show that feels like a show all so right well next week next week Okay, well, almost said next week. Next week is going to be we're we're probably going to be talking food halls. Yeah, we'll definitely be talking food halls next week. But are we getting our race car driver yet, or no? We are. He's going to be gone for a couple of weeks, but we are going to get oh, him. The, the race car driver is Alex Roy. Alex Roy is one of the uh, the person who revived the Cannonball Run, which is the totally illegal cross country race from New York to California, and uh, and he is kind of and he lives in Miami now. Uh, so, oh, that's awesome. so he is, he is, uh, he and I had fritas the other day. He had never had one and, uh, he felt like he had a, finally had a Miami experience. Uh, he's been living here for a couple of years. So, um, he is committed to being on the one show day. at some point when he's back in town. So, so well, then the next time I'm going to get us a cyclist and we're just going to talk to a Miami cyclist about food for a while too. Boo. That sounds boring. That sounds boring. <laughs> we already did that. Well, with got, the Miami fruit guy. Girls nerd out about cars. So wah, right. wah. we'll try to, we'll try to keep cars to a, Somewhat minimum, but probably not. I think that's all of what we're going to talk about. I think I'm going to have to read up on cars. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to have to have Connie on to talk about her. She was also a manual transmission driver. Yeah. Although doesn't doesn't care about cars, but. (laughs) Only you. All right. Only me. All right. Get out of here. That's a show. All right. Till the next time. Bye. Bye.